0: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you ready for some football? We're ready for some football, baby. Welcome to the FTN DataCast, the fantasy football podcast where data drives the discussion. Here are your hosts, Adam Pfeiffer and Tyler Lochner. Welcome back, everybody. This is the FTN DataCast. Presented, of course, by the FTN Network, Adam Pfeiffer, Tyler Lochner with you as always as we continue our team previews with the NFC West. Monday was the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, and we're going to move over to the San Francisco 49ers, Tyler, who I think are one of the more polarizing teams in maybe the NFL, but definitely in fantasy because there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of really interesting players, and a lot of storylines. So this should be a fun episode with San Francisco.
1: Dude, the 49ers are like a make or break fantasy team. They were last year. I think they will be again this year. We've
0: so talked about them a lot already, too. We have. Like and
1: there's like not ta- that many fantasy relevant players, but they're all just really good.
0: Yeah, they're they're close to the high end and they're exciting, right? Trey Lance, exciting. Debo Samuel, obviously, incredibly exciting. George Kittle, Ayuk, and then like you have a pretty top heavy team but I think there's cases to make for and against almost every player so again if you missed out on the Rams preview that was uploaded on Monday we're gonna be doing these pretty much uh you know couple a week until we finish all 32 teams and also if you missed out on the positional previews they are up I would highly encourage you to check those out and uh, subscribe rate review all that great stuff FTN datacast on iTunes whatever platform you listen to podcasts on let's get into San Francisco.
1: I want to start with Lance. The I mean, we have
0: to, dude, right? I mean, Trey Lance expected to start at quarterback for the 49ers this season. Jimmy Garoppolo, as of this recording, still on the team. There has been not just rumors, but expectations that he will be traded any day now, if not just cut. And we'll see Trey Lance, who, look, I mentioned this number a lot, but he played three games where he actually played meaningful snaps last season in those games. 0.64, I believe it was, fantasy points per dropback, which would have tied for the league lead. It's like Lamar the entire- Jackson-esque. Exactly. It was right it there is. with Lamar Jackson over the last couple of seasons. Again, very small sample, but he also averaged 10.3 rushing attempts per game. And, like, it wasn't just scrambles or anything. They were designed. He had 31 rushing attempts in those three games. 19 were designed. Trey Lance, like... The the second Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer in the team, he is going to go from QB 12, 13 ish range where he's going now to probably 8, 9, 10.
1: Lance, I wrote an entire article in February, which was Is Trey Lance a fantasy football QB1 if he starts for the whole year? And the, the answer is just yes. That could have been. Yeah, I was going to say article. it should be. Um, There was only one game where he underwhelmed as a fantasy player. Um, I actually don't have the week that it was in front of me, but he finished as the fantasy QB 20. So, you know, pretty brutal. But in that week, we have a tool called expected fantasy points. He was 11 fantasy points under expectation. That's insane. Which is, it's just, you can chalk that up to bad luck or maybe some rookie play, whatever. But scoring 11 fewer fantasy points than expected means that he was in position to have a a nuclear week. Just... 11 fantasy points is basically three full passing touchdowns.
0: That's probably what, like, Lamar Jackson was. Remember the Marquise Brown game against Detroit where he dropped, like, three touchdown passes? Yeah. yeah. That's probably, like, in that same range of, like, expected fantasy points that didn't come to fruition.
1: So, I don't know what to chalk it up to, but, you know, whatever you want to, that's a signal that that game was not as good as it should have been. And, yeah, Trey Lance is the, he's, like, the ultimate Konami code quarterback. Um according I looked at FTN data last year among quarterbacks who played at least 150 snaps, Lance ranked second in fantasy points per snap. Uh can you guess the one quarterback who was ahead of him? This is uh, a softball James. for you. This is a softball question for you. In fantasy points per snap. Josh Allen.
0: Oh, I thought it was a trick question because Jameis was really good. Oh, no, Cause no cause he was a, good. Cuz um fantasy points per dropback, Jameis led the league but it was obviously because he had the five-touchdown game in week one, and then he obviously, like, I think he got hurt. He tore his ACL throwing a touchdown pass and then didn't play the rest of the season. So. Uh, but, yeah, Josh Allen, he's, he's good. We'll yeah, talk yeah. about him with the Bills, probably. You're right.
1: So, oh, yeah, oh, probably. <laughs> so, and then Lance, he has an all-pro in Debo Samuel. He has an all-pro in George Kittle. He has Brandon Ayuk, who you know I completely love. Mm-hmm. He has the best run game scheme in the league. So, just like the situation is awesome too, so yeah, I, I love, love, love Lance. I mean, th- I don't think there's any fantasy analyst that doesn't love him.
0: Yeah, like every day you see somebody touting Trey Lance, and it's fully like it. It it makes a ton of sense. The offense is great. We've seen Kyle Shanahan make like the system is so good for any quarterback, but especially a this will essentially be Trey Lance's rookie season, right? We can we can pretty much say that. I know he's not technically a rookie, but like just get the ball in Kittle's hands and Debo's hands and Ayuk's hands and let them make plays after the catch. This is Jimmy Garoppolo since he's been with San Francisco has been among the league leaders in percentage of yards after the catch. Like I'll pull up his exact number last season, but like Trey Lance can just be fine as a passer and still be great in fantasy because the talent around him is great. He's obviously going to average, I would say probably averages like eight to 10 rushing attempts per game and like, we don't even know exactly what the upside is, because we saw coming out of college the, the tools and the numbers he put up and everything, but, like, there's still a little bit of unknown with Trey Lance of how good he could really be, mm-hmm. which is obviously exciting in its own part. Um Where do you have Lance now, and where would you have him if Jimmy Garoppolo, if slash when Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer on the team? I think at this point we should just probably rank him as if is not even there, because, like... If Garoppolo's there somehow mirac- miraculously in week one, it's not like he's starting.
1: So I do just rank Lance as if is not there. I have him as the QB 12, but you put him anywhere, QB 10, 11, 12, I don't really care too much. But, um, yeah, I, I would draft Lance and roll with it as if he's just going to be my full-time starter. That's, I mean, that's my comfort level with him. The only thing is like, okay, why is Jimmy sticking around? Like, do the 49ers not really believe in lance that's the only thing kind of going on in the back of my mind but they traded um, up
0: so high to get I know, him too. i know that's the that's the thing i keep forgetting like it's not like they just like he was kind of there for them like they moved up a ton and a lot of the rumors were oh it's for mac jones and it was trey lance who is more of the ceiling obviously uh mac jones clearly more pro ready coming out of college but like there's, there's just really not a scenario where I see Trey Lance not starting the season. And yeah, like the upside is immense. Like I mentioned, 10.3 rushing attempts per game in those three games. And keep in mind, one of those, I believe it was what, the the Cardinals game? That was in a half. We, we got to remember yeah, that Yeah, he too. only
1: played a half a game for one of those.
0: So it was really, I meant, I say it's three games. It was really like two and a half games. So the upside and the floor, you see, again, smaller sample, but it's kind of just a glimpse of what could be with Trey Lance. Any other thoughts on Lance? He's, he's very polarizing in fantasy already.
1: Uh, no, just you can wait on quarterback and draft Lance and and walk away feeling happy. Because again, we've talked about this before. If you miss on, if he doesn't pan out or anything, streaming quarterback is really still very viable. I know that quarterback is extremely deep this year. Um, and And the top level talent is very, very, very good and significantly better than what you'll get from streaming. Uh, but that doesn't mean that streaming is not still viable. Let's
0: move to the backfield where this has been the revolving door of fantasy, a Kyle Shanahan backfield in San Francisco. He has had in San Francisco a different leading rusher in five straight seasons. Elijah Mitchell last season, we'll talk about Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Matt Breida, and Carlos Hyde. Five straight seasons, a different player has led this team in rushing. Going into the season... Or this past season, the hype was around Trey Sermon. The fit with the zone running scheme was great. He did a lot of that in college, but then we got the reports that he wasn't, you know, exactly, uh, living up to the hype in OTAs and training camp. And Elijah Mitchell was impressing. And then week one, Raheem Mostert gets hurt. Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon was was a healthy scratch in that week one game. Elijah Mitchell comes in and kind of just runs with the job, pun fully intended. I, I look, Elijah Mitchell, A lot of people still like him, and I get it. Like, great run, one of the best running schemes in football. You have use check, you have George Kittle, and you have a very good run blocking offensive line led by Trent Williams. Like, those three players alone are three of the best run blockers at any position in football. 963 yards, five touchdowns, 18.8 carries per game. Like, that's great. I have a lot of concern with Elijah Mitchell. I'll let you talk about him first, but like, he, when I started doing content in terms of like 2022 candidates to be bust players, I'm not going to lie. Elijah Mitchell was the first player that came to my mind. I'll talk about that more in a little bit, but what are your thoughts on Elijah Mitchell and this entire backfield? Because if you literally, if I asked you that and you literally just shrugged your shoulders and said, I don't know, I would be okay with that because it's his backfield. It's been the case for five years now.
1: Yeah. I honestly, I don't know. Uh, Mitchell probably will be the guy, Um, but maybe Trey Sermon takes a step up this year. Like Sermon is basically completely free in fantasy drafts. I don't even think we really need to talk about him. He's like, RB 70 in fantasy ranks or ADP. He might
0: not even be the number two after they drafted Tyrion Davis Price. Right.
1: I actually have Tyrion Davis Price ranked ahead of Sermon still, which, um, but you know, talking specifically about Mitchell, the 49ers are in a run first offense. I think you mentioned this. They ran 48.3% of the time, which was the fourth highest rush rate in football last year. But then you add in the likelihood of Trey Lance starting who. What are we expecting? Eight to 12 rushing attempts per game. And then you have Debo Samuel, who basically became like the team's part. He was like, he wasn't the, he wasn't the leading rusher on the team, but he accounted for 24% of their rushing attempts from week 11 onward. You know, like Samuel became a guy who started stealing five, six, seven rushing attempts per game and the touchdowns, you know, the really high valuable touchdowns. Um, And Mitchell does not catch the ball he only had 19 receptions last year which is you know just extremely low i have him ranked as a very back end rb2 i have him at rb23 right now but he's probably my least favorite of that bunch i think once i get to that range once i get once i get past etn um gosh we were just talking about the other player um, on the on the Rams. Oh, once I get past like ETN and, and Cam Akers, I'm probably taking a break on drafting running backs. Same. So that means I'm probably just completely skipping over Mitchell in, in the vast majority of my drafts. Yeah, even though I, I, mean, ha- even though I have him ranked as a tail end RB two, I think it, I think he's in a separate tier.
0: Yeah. So like Elijah Mitchell, he 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 was great last season. He he. I, there's no reason not project him as the number one running back going into the season, but. Like, he didn't get goal line work last season, right? And Debo played a part in that. And I don't expect Debo's rushing volume to be the same or anywhere close to the same. And we expect Debo's rushing touchdowns we'll talk about to go down. But, like I mentioned, Lance, over 10 carries per game. And, again, 19 of the 31 were designed. So, it's not like it was, like, that's going to be part of their offense, clearly. And that's going to take away from some carries from Elijah Mitchell. I think Debo's not going to just not carry the ball at all this season, right? He's not going to see what he saw last season, because there was that stretch last season where from week 11 on, including the playoffs, like you said, Samuel had 24% of the team's rushing attempts. Um, I I still think that's going to be a, at least a part of their offense. That'll take away from some carries. Plus, like, I, I know this team in terms of draft capital for running back isn't the greatest example because they've had Raheem Mostert undrafted player, lead the team in rushing. Jeff Wilson, undrafted player. Uh, Matt Breida was a later round pick. So it's like they don't really care. But, like, they still drafted Tyrion Davis-Price in, th- in the third round. That's not insignificant to me. And then the passing game worked, right? Like, he had 19 catches this season. He ran 13.7 pass routes per game, which were not great for running backs. Not even close. And he didn't play a lot in third down at all. Like, Jermichael Hasty was taking him off the field in third downs. So, I just don't know if there's a massive ceiling. And... If, the, if there's any games where this team, like I still project this team to be a, an above average football team as long as Trey Lance is solid. But any games that they're behind, Elijah Mitchell's going to be Damian Harris like. And the difference is Damian Harris actually gets more goal line work. Like Elijah Mitchell's goal line work was bad last season, really went underlooked or overlooked. But I just think, okay, you can say, okay, Debo's going to lose goal line touches or carries, so that's going to help. But like Trey Lance might gain them. So I, I don't know like Elijah Mitchell I don't like to say I won't draft a player cuz everybody is draftable but there has not been a draft this season so far this summer where I've had Elijah Mitchell on my team and I just think like you said it's a perfect point where he's going is where I stop drafting running backs and I just load up on receivers and start to look at the tight ends and stuff like that.
1: Okay, you mentioned that his goal line rushing attempts were were bad and I just looked this up on the FTN ftn fantasy red zone report and yeah dude that's way worse than i was expecting it to be he ranks 44th among running backs in goal line attempts last year he only had five that's the same as adrian peterson ronald jones ty johnson actually had more latavius (laughs) murray had more tevin coleman had more uh yeah that's tough. Like, Duke Johnson had the same amount. Would you so. be
0: surprised if his goal line usage... Again, he's not going to score zero touchdowns. That actually
1: surprises me.
0: Right. I think it'll surprise a lot of people. Would you be surprised if his goal line workload was similar to Miles Sanders from this past season? Miles. Not zero touchdowns, because that's, like, insanely difficult to do. But, like, Jalen Hurts was top five and carries inside the five-yard line. He had, like, 13 or 14.
1: So, yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. And last year's data supports that. Miles Sanders had 21 red zone rushing attempts. Um, Elijah Mitchell had 21 red zone rushing attempts. Sanders had six goal line carries. Mitchell only had five. So, like, they basically were identical to each other I last think year they're very
0: similar. Usage. Here's my thing. I think Elijah Mitchell and Miles Sanders are very, very similar. Miles Sanders goes a couple rounds later. Yeah, I'll just take That's my a like. Point. Miles Sanders' passing game role not great. I think it's probably a little bit better than Mitchell's because there's a better chance that Sanders can play on third downs. They're both going to have quarterbacks that are going to run the football eight to ten times a game. Both will probably get. Charlie Lance is getting a lot of design carries in the red zone too in those games he played, especially that Arizona game I believe. They're in similar situations to have, except Miles Sanders probably has less competition. I like Boston Scott. I like Kenny Gainwell. But, like, in terms of overall carries, I think San Francisco has more players that can take carries away from Mitchell. I
1: like that. If you like Mitchell, just wait and draft Sanders.
0: Yeah, and I literally just thought of that now. Like, I was just thinking about it. Like, they're in the same situation. And I think the Eagles might have a slightly better offense. If not, they'll be right in that same range, I think. Just, yeah, just give me Miles Sanders at a discount over Elijah Mitchell. Um Closing thoughts on this backfield. Any interest in, uh, you know, later round Flyers and Tyrion Davis-Price? Because they did draft him in the third round, and we have seen a different running back lead this team in rushing for five straight seasons now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the draft capital's there. The team seems to just completely hate Trey Sermon. Um, so it sucks, I, too, because
0: I, Trey Sermon was going to be one of my favorite late-round running backs in the entire fantasy football landscape before the NFL draft. And now I'm dude, kind of backing off a little bit.
1: <clears throat> Yeah, the I just don't think they like him. I hope he gets traded, honestly, because I still think he's good. But I would have um, like to
0: see him in Atlanta. But it's like even now, like even if he went to Atlanta or something, like they still have a lot of running. It's just tough to find a a, a, a team to trade for a running back where it's like, oh, he's going to be the the future running back. But like Sermon, it's interesting because he he looked good. The what was the one game? I'll pull it up right now. But he got the because Mitchell missed a game or two. And Trey Sermon came in and started because he was finally, you know, active on the roster and playing. And then he got a concussion. It was the I forget which game it was, but he looked good and then got a concussion and then missed. You know, he didn't play from week eleven on. So I would like to see what we can see from him, but it's a really it's yeah, tough.
1: It's a really crowded backfield. It's Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, Jamichael Hasty, Trey Sermon, and Davis Price. Um, Who do you think the third
0: down back is? Might be Davis Price.
1: They kind of like, I mean, gosh, dude, it could be any of them, honestly. Mm it would be good if, I mean, if if it's Davis Price, then yeah, that definitely makes him uh, interesting to me. But it's a hard, like that's a lot of players. And maybe outside of Trey Sermon, we've seen Kyle Shanahan use all of them in featured roles. So like... It's a, it could be a running back carousel again this year. That's another reason not to totally love Mitchell. It's like they have good backups.
0: Right, and it's like we've seen them in the past, right? Uh, Mostert misses time. Jeff Wilson is not just like serviceable in that role, but good. Just so smashes, like, yeah. That's why there's appeal still in Davis, Price, and Sermon because the scheme is so favorable and so good for running backs that like, if Elijah Mitchell, who did miss some time last season, misses time, Davis Price, whoever it is, if it's Davis Price or Sermon, they can be really good. Davis in Price fantasy. is a lot
1: bigger than Mitchell, isn't he? How big is Mitchell?
0: Mitchell. So Davis Price, I he's remember like, he's like
1: 220, 6 feet. Yeah. yeah. Mitchell is 5'10, 200. So right. like maybe Davis Price is the goal line back.
0: And we saw them, we saw them give Jeff Wilson goal line work over most or, a lot of those years. And Jeff Wilson was really good in that role. So yeah. It's entirely possible. The backfield is always going to be an interesting talking point with San Francisco. Let's get to the pass catchers. And we have to start with Debo Samuel, who, if it weren't for Cooper Cup last season, we'd be talking about Debo Samuel, I think, a lot more of what he did. And he's a perfect example of a player is injury prone, quote unquote, until he isn't. And Debo Samuel stayed healthy last year and was not just one of the best players in fantasy, one of the best players in the entire NFL.
1: Yeah, dude, he smashed and rightfully earned first team all pro, I think, that was really cool to see. So Debo is a fantasy wide receiver one. We'll start with that. I have kind of been like raining on the Debo Samuel parade a bit all off season. I wrote an article before the draft, I think. right? Yeah, maybe right I, I definitely agency. want you to
0: revisit some of the stats. Cause we talked about Debo. Yeah. This was like on our second or first episode uh, since we rebranded the podcast. And I definitely want you to hammer home some of those points because I, I'm in agreement, dude, Debo is going consensus like wide receiver five, six, seven?
1: He's my wide receiver 11. Yeah. Wow. Well, you have him even a little bit lower. I have him as wide receiver nine, but I don't really mind him in like the nine, 10, 11 range. So I'll go, I'll just go through some of the stats. Over the second half of last season, he did not lead the 49ers in targets. He wasn't even second on the 49ers in targets. He had 43 targets. Again, this is over an entire half of the season. This is when he started running the ball more. He had 43 targets. Kittle had 59. Brandon Ayuk had 55. And then Samuel was pretty heavily behind back at 43. He was also third in target. So he was third in targets, also in receptions, yards, and receiving touchdowns. But he did make up for it on the ground. So as we know, Samuel started carrying the ball between five, six, seven, eight times per game. But what he did in that span, rushing, was like so completely unsustainable, in my (laughs) opinion. He scored a rushing touchdown in all but two of those games. But look at he the had,
0: distance on those touchdowns too, though. It geez. was like 20 plus yards out, 30 plus yards out. There was a couple where he scored from in close, but like...
1: I know. He's so good. He's so good I at football. Know. That's why I still have him as a like a tail end wide receiver one. Earlier this offseason, I think he was, his ADP was wide receiver five. And I think that has slipped a little bit to wide receiver seven. So it seems like some people are catching on that... Of those really high value high value picks, Samuel carries a bit more risk. I have him at wide receiver nine. You said you have him at wide receiver eleven. Still like him. Still think he's a good fantasy player. But I just for my elite 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 wide receiver, um, I want more guaranteed volume.
0: The one thing I will say is when Depot was used in that H back role where he was getting like five six carries a game, the touchdowns were great. They're not sustainable. They were great. For fantasy, we want Debo not getting carries. We want him getting targets because right. they're higher value. Like, you get more points for targets. They're, they're better for fantasy. And that probably will be – we'll see more targets, not overall, but just because, you look, from week eight on. Remember, Brent Ayuk. we'll talk about. I know you love Brent Nayuk. We talked about with Trey Sermon. Brent Ayuk was not a full-time player for a lot of the season. Started the season off, barely playing, and then became not just, like, back in the rotation, but was a full-time player. He was like nine. He was always leading this team in snaps and 90 plus percent of the snaps always leading the team in routes from week eight on with Brent Ayuk playing that full-time role last season. Debo Samuel only averaged 5.8 targets and under four receptions per game. So if we look at this as a low volume passing offense, which it should still be. And you have Kittle, you have Brent Ayuk, who's clearly shown when he's on the field, he makes plays. He's a good receiver. That's, between that and the fact that just overall natural regression in terms of touchdowns and a little bit of uncertainty with with what with Trey Lance like Trey Lance hyper-targeted Debo when he was on the field but I think one of those ge- a couple of those games Ayuk wasn't even active or not even playing Kittle might have missed one of those games so who knows if if Debo is going to be the, the number one target for Trey Lance but between all that that's why I moved him down to wide receiver 11 just because like overall targets like if the vol- if the rushing's coming down and he's not getting goal line carries or anything like that Like, I would rather have the guaranteed 135, 140 potential targets from CeeDee Lamb. I would rather have the targets from, who else do I have? T Higgins. Um, You know, I'm trying to look at who else I have ahead of Debo. But, again, it's still in the back end. Why does he one range for me? Just because he's an elite football player. But, like, I looked back. It was the second episode we recorded. It was the bus candidates. And we talked about Debo Samuel. So I think it's very fair to question how good he'll be on a per-game basis if he's getting six targets a game, which he was getting last season from Week 8 on with Kittle and Ayuk, firmly part of the offense. Yeah. Can All we right. talk about Ayuk now? I was, I was going to say go Dude, for it because it. I got to talk about Robinson on the Rams preview. So now go for it. Brent Ayuk, he's not – Brent Ayuk and Michael Gallup, they're, uh, they'll are they be on, what, 90% of your rosters this season?
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Maybe even more. Brandon Ayuk, first of all, came in as a rookie, and I would argue maybe not like a league winner, but he was really good as a rookie after a pretty slow start. He scored, this is in 2020, he scored over 17 fantasy points in six of his final seven games as a rookie, and that included like this awesome stretch in the playoffs. He was over 20 fantasy points in five of those games. A fantasy wide receiver won half the time, over the second half of his uh, rookie year, and then he came in. I was expecting great things during um, during his sophomore year, and he just like completely fell out of favor for the entire first half of the year. He scored fewer than ten fantasy points in um, in five of the first in five of the team's first eight games. He was like threatened to be healthy scratched at some point, or like at a certain point, he was just running routes just to run routes. We thought it was um, gonna be
0: the next Dante Pettis.
1: We did, yeah. And it was I got real nervous. But then he got a lot better. And he wasn't completely um he wasn't completely dominating in fantasy over the second half of the year, but he was a very consistent player. And he actually ended up from weeks nine onward, he ended up finishing as the fantasy wide receiver thirteen for an entire second half of the year after the start that he had. And that was with Debo Samuel finishing as the fantasy wide receiver five in that same stretch. So I already mentioned that Ayuk was second on the 49ers in um, targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns over the second half of the year. I was a little surprised to see him almost as like a borderline fantasy wide receiver one over the second half of the year as well. So right now he's going as like the wide receiver 40 in underdog drafts. I have him ranked as the wide receiver thirty-five, so I'm still drafting him ahead of that ADP. If Iuke is my wide receiver three, I am happy. I'm very happy with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like he was the number one target on this passing game from when he was finally a full-time player from week eight on. It was over. It was like six and a half targets per game, almost sixty-eight receiving yards per game. And just under 14 full PPR points per game in that stretch. Um, so I don't think it's crazy to expect him to compete for the team lead in targets, like at, by any means from week eight on. He was, uh, easily led this team in routes run. He was 19th in the NFL in routes run among receivers during that stretch. So, and like I said, he was like pretty much once he firmly got back into the offense was like, you looked at the game logs, it was Ayuk 90% of snaps, 88% of snaps, 85% of snaps, 92%. Like it was, it was fantastic. Um, so I think he's in that same range where I like he goes a little bit before like Chase Claypool, Tyler Boyd, right around Kadarius Tony. Like that range of receiver, I'm really high on because I think all four of the receivers I just mentioned have upside and have really, I think they're really good values. So Ayuk's a really interesting player because he's, it seems like forever ago was rookie season where he was like one of the best receivers in fantasy down the stretch when everybody was out. And it was like, OK, it's kind of like I went St. Brown, right? It's like, OK, he did. He did all this, but like nobody was healthy. Kittle, Debo were, were inactive. And then the way last season started, it's like, OK, Iuke's, it's it's over for him. But then we quickly forget because Debo is so polarizing. Trey Lance, so polarizing like Ayuk was really good once he became a full time player. So that's very encouraging going into his third season. And again, third season receivers tend to break out in year three fully, like sometimes it's second year. But a lot of times you see the third year receiver really break out. It's why I like Chase Claypool this year mm-hmm. and Iuk's going into his third season as well. Is there really any other receiver, though, like Danny Gray, they drafted? Like, it's just tough to make a case for a third receiver on a team that's going to run a lot of two wide, a lot yeah. of, you know, George Kittle, obviously. So maybe like the last round, you could take a shot on Danny Gray, but I'm not really into that. So nope,
1: I don't have any other 49ers receivers ranked.
0: All right, let's close it out with George Kittle. Who, it's it's the same case every year. It's kind of like Nick Chubb of tight ends. You can make the case he's the best all around tight end football, but in fantasy he hasn't even been close to Kelsey or Andrews because of volume and because of route running. Um, not route running, but routes. He's the best run blocking tight end, maybe we've ever seen. Gronk Gronk's great too, but he was second among all tight ends in run blocking snaps. And again, the identity of this offense is still to run the football. And George Kittle and Kyle Ucek to create running lanes. So, Kittle for me is tight end five behind Waller, Pitts, and then obviously Andrews and Kelsey. He's still just so good on a per target basis. Like, if he told me he would get like seven targets a game, I think he would smash. But it's tough to put him, like, he's obviously in the same tier as Waller. But for me, like, I think Pitts is a higher ceiling because he's going to contend for a thousand yards and over a hundred plus targets. And we know what Andrews and Kelsey have done.
1: Yeah, I have Kittle. I have Kittle ranked at the exact same spot, tight end five. Um, and I think we've talked about this before. He's the teardrop. So after him, there's a, there's a teardrop. So if I am not getting, if I'm not getting Kelsey or Andrews, I actually usually prefer to wait and then just draft Kittle and let, uh, well, actually sorry, I, I like to get pits too. But between Kittle and um and Darren Waller, I actually like Kittle at cost. I, I have Waller ranked ahead of him. I might change that. Um but at cost, Kittle is my is my favorite tight end between those two. But yeah, it's I mean, it's the same story. When he gets targets, he absolutely smashes. He was a tight end one in fifty-seven percent of his games last year. He had a week with he had back-to-back weeks with over 34 fantasy points, like just shows what he can do when he gets the ball. But then he also finished the year with three straight games under seven fantasy points. Um, so a, a little bit more of a roller coaster than you'll get with with Kelsey or Andrews, um, maybe even Pitts. The talent is obviously there. It's just uh, the usage. Uh, you, already, you already said it, so I don't want to repeat you too much. But I think people know what they're getting when they get Kittle. Um, I really like him in best ball for those spike weeks, but if I'm drafting Kittle, um, I, I am drafting a second tight end. I'm drafting a second tight end in best ball, you know, even if I draft like Travis Kelsey, but the second tight end that I'm drafting, if I have Kittle is somebody that I'm maybe paying a little bit more attention to finding somebody that will have a, at least a decent floor, just because Kittle kittles low weeks have a potential to be really low like there will be some weeks where he only sees two or three targets
0: which is just insane to even think about but that's just kind of the way this offense has worked um george kittle last season but he finished
1: he finished as the overall tight end one in three games last year like Mm -hmm. i don't even know if like did mark andrews even do that i'm gonna look
0: I would guess yes. Like, I know the Colts game, he definitely did. He did it twice. Okay. So, so, like,
1: Kittle has, he literally has a ceiling as high as any other tight end in the league.
0: Yeah, I mean, he averaged point two four fantasy points per snap last season behind only Gronk, Kelsey, and Andrews. And it wasn't that far behind Kelsey. Andrews was well ahead of the pack at .32. Um... This is the problem is like he was 18th among tight ends in routes run. That shouldn't happen. That's so low. He should be top five. And we talked about this um last episode, the tight end preview. Mark Andrews ran like 18 more routes per game than George Kittle. Like, that's a massive jump. So if like if you told me George Kittle would be top seven in routes, uh, man. He
1: was sixth in receptions, but eighteenth in routes.
0: Yeah, it just shows how good he is on a per target basis and a per play basis when he's involved in the offense. Um But, like, where he goes in underdog drafts, like, he's in, like, the fifth round. Like, you could be looking back at it, you know, a year from now and saying, I got George Kittle in the fifth round because if he gets consistent volume, he can, like, we talk about this. If you put George Kittle on the Chiefs, he's posting very similar numbers to Travis Kelsey. Oh,
1: yeah. I don't think
0: anybody, like, easily. Yeah. And the other thing is George Kittle, the only difference, too, I don't really care that much, but he has more injury concern than Kelsey, than Andrews. We don't really know with Pitts. He's only played one year. Um, Waller finally got hurt last season, but like he has had some stretches where he missed some games. But um, yeah, I mean, like, like on a per route basis, per target basis, he's still just as good as anybody in football. It's just being 18th in routes run for arguably the best, most talented tight end in football is just just odd. And I know he missed a couple games, but like still, like he per game in terms of routes run, he was like 17 or 18 behind
1: Andrews. Kittle was third in team target market share at 23%. So I guess, you know, one thing that could, that was only behind Andrews and Waller. That was actually ahead of Kelsey in terms of uh, team target market share. So you could make the case that like maybe with Trey Lance, the offense totally shifts. It's probably a stretch because with Lance, they're probably just going to run even more. But if they pass more, um, Kittle's numbers could really shoot through the roof with, with that high of a target share, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's unlikely because, Lance probably just means more runs, more read options.
0: I'll close it out with this. Uh, we We haven't talked about defense much, but this is a defense that's going to be really good. They have one of the best front sevens in football. And if you're looking for a defense to just draft and then stream and then you can drop or whatever, San Francisco gets the Chicago Bears in week one, the Seattle Seahawks in week two. So... Then it gets tough with Denver and the Rams
1: going deep. Look at this. I, I did not come prepared to talk about. Defense. <laughs> I just I pulled it up because that. I
0: wanted to make sure we don't, you know, I like talking about defense. I, I like to do IDP league. So uh then it gets a little tougher with Denver and the Rams, but then they get Carolina, Atlanta, like that has some really good matchups. Um So like, I, like I tend to just draft the defense with an early schedule. That's good. and Then drop them. But like, this could be a defense that you just go all year and just kind of take your bumps. If you know, against Denver and the Rams, but like Seattle and Chicago to start the season is pretty much as good as it gets.
1: I like it. I like that call. It's one of my favorite things to do is draft defenses that have a good early season and then, you know, swap them out. But that way you start off strong. So I like that call right there.
0: Yeah, man. I will always got to show a lot of defenses. So that'll do it for the San Francisco 49ers team preview. Got two more teams in the NFC West. Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. We'll get to those teams later on this week. Uh, again, keep a locked here at FTN Fantasy. We have a ton of great content on the way, um, continuing the uh, breakouts, busts, and bets, I believe it is, article, where we you know break down all the teams. I have my Fantasy Crossroads series. Uh, Friday's edition will be Dave Montgomery and Saquon Barkley, which you would think, okay, Barkley, clearly, but... Been a weird couple years for Saquon Barkley, so check that out on Friday. And Again, sign up at FTN Fantasy. Season's starting very soon, man. It's going to be exciting. You want to get a part of all the tools, all the great content, and, of course, this podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, all that great stuff. We appreciate it. And for Tyler, I'm Adam. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you guys next time on the FTN Datacast. Thanks for listening to the FTN Datacast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And follow the hosts on Twitter at AFiFer24 and at Lochner NFL.